Welcome to So Wait Pause, the podcast where we pair a good and bad movie and get drunk while we do it. This is Ashley, and I'm with my favorite drinking buddy, Sean. Hi. Hey. This week has felt brutal. Because of work? Work, definitely, but just like everything, like, I think you and I have both hit, like, our... Being over 30? No. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, like, the end of our rope with this house renovation. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's been... So they they told us, what, six to eight weeks? Yeah, and we're at eight weeks right now. Yeah, and we're at least four to five weeks out. Right. The thing is that, like, it's just, like, I always want to preface, like, I am complaining about this, that I fully recognize how fortunate we are that we're in a position that we're able to do a full-scale renovation of half our house but especially in a year and a half where our house has become our real sanctuary of like we can't go we couldn't go anywhere else so like this is like all we know for it just to be in a complete state of chaos and there's not a single room i can walk into that feels peaceful yeah like i think i might be losing my mind a little bit yeah, it is kind of like a horror movie almost. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like every room, like we're like right now, like we're recording on a folding table in our den, which has stuff piled all. And we have a very, we have a large den. It was like a weird addition in the 90s to this house. And it's just piled to the ceiling with boxes and with things that have been displaced from the parts that are getting, getting redone. Our guest room is like where I spend a lot of time because I do my hair and makeup in there. And like, I can barely even sit in my chair in there because it's so full of stuff. Because we like had it floor to ceiling, right? The office that I work in every day has stuff all in it because we had to clear out the closet in there because our electrical panel got replaced and it was in there, so they needed everything cleared out. It's just there's dust everywhere. It's just I, I'm, I'm we don't even have a mirror in our bathroom now too. Like that's also weird. <laughs> it has been a debacle. It really could. We should direct a horror movie about encroaching it can be called like hoarder or something like that right and it's just the terror of of increasing junk (laughs) right filling all of your living spaces it's like people who don't like to hoard who are basically feels like feel like quarters for eight weeks right so all that's to say cheers (laughs) thank you for going and picking us up drinks i literally um we're recording this on a saturday which is different from a friday and I've been working all day today. And like at like 6.30 p.m., I was like, Sean, I have nothing to drink for movie night. So while I was still working, you went and got us some beers and some champagne. So thank you. Yep. Southern Grist, one of your favorites. Yep. Southern. So you got me a Southern Grist Mimosa Sour. So I love sour beers. Um, Southern Grist is a brewery in Nashville. It's my favorite because they specialize in mostly uh, sour beers and like really interesting flavor combinations. So you know the way to my heart. And it's Mimosa which is reminiscent of champagne, yeah. which is my drink. Well, and I got you champagne too. I know. You lo- I love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm uh, drinking Deschutes. I haven't had this one, but it's fine. It's very orange tasting. Yeah. Um, also in the craziness of this remodel, not only do we have no space for anything, and I mean like barely space for us to sit and sleep, it also means that we are completely without a way to prepare food for ourselves. Yeah, we have a... Um... Just a microwave and that's it. And we have, yeah, and we have our fridge huddled in the corner here in the den. I'm staring at it right now. But it can't make ice or anything like that. It's just. Yeah. And we don't have really a water source because we don't have a sink. So like, it's just, we're eating out a lot. DoorDash, we should have stock in right now because we are giving them so much money. Yeah. So let me tell you something about DoorDash though. (laughs) As Ashley said, this has been our primary means of eating for the last forever now i mean that or just going and picking up food whatever we don't often have time to go out and pick up food so we have to door dash it 
And something I noticed at the beginning of the pandemic, when we were door dashing a lot, a lot of things were on DoorDash, mm -hmm. like a lot of local places. We were able to get almost everything we normally get on DoorDash. Right. At a reasonable cost. I mean, like, I feel like it's gotten increasingly expensive. Well, like local places, I am completely fine with them increasing their prices on DoorDash because DoorDash takes such a, such a huge percentage yeah. of the profit from that. So, like, if I am wanting the convenience of food being delivered by a third party to my door and not me going to pick it up, I'm fine paying the extra money knowing that the, that the restaurant has to offset its cost of using a vendor like DoorDash. Well, and that's not even what I'm talking about. It's more the fees. The fees have right. like all gone up and they're just like, they add every fee on the book, which makes no sense because if I spend more money, sometimes I can pay less, which makes absolutely no sense. I don't, how do, how right. does that work out? It, it is what it is. But something that I've noticed is that the quality of restaurants has taken a like precipitous drop on DoorDash. Right. And I think that also has to do with like, I mean, anytime we go out now, everywhere's packed. It is like higher than pre-pandemic levels of packed. Right. And so like, I know that restaurants have like the ability to say like, we're not available right now to DoorDash. Mm -hmm. And I'm, it's probably because they're like too busy in. Maybe. Like, and with people in their store. I guess all the good places just don't need it now. Like they did over the pandemic or something like that. But mm -hmm. I felt like everything was on there. Now, when I scroll through, I have been finding just bizarre things. It's like 60 to 70% of what I find on DoorDash now are things that I know don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> like, I drive all over town. Uh, we know most of, you know, where we live. We know most of Midtown, Downtown. You know, unless you go, like, up outside the loop. We know most of those restaurants, especially if it's new uh, and it's in the local news or something on social media gets posted about it. And yet every single thing on here is something I have never heard of anywhere. And now sure. Some of those could be in a shopping center somewhere that I've never been to. Right. I'm, and I sh I'm sure those exist. Other ones I know for a fact don't exist because I mean, I was scrolling through today when we were trying to figure out what to eat and listen to this one now on DoorDash, which means it's new, right? Thigh stop. <laughs> <laughs> Not wing stop. <laughs> now, the thigh stop. It is the exact wing stop everything. So if you go to DoorDash and look up wing stop, you know, it's like the green background. It has like the wing stop logo, the bag, the whatever. So this one says thigh stop and the logo is the wing stop logo, but it's changed to thigh stop. So unless wing stop now has a promotion where they're offering thighs and so they change the name of wing stop to thigh stop, which by the way, wing stop has been one of the like least consistent places we've ever ordered off of DoorDash. Right. They're the type of place where they're like, mm, I just don't want to make this today. And then right. they cancel your order like an hour after you order it. Right. If they're doing a second <laughs> means of ordering from the same location and they're already so bad about just fulfilling regular Wingstop orders. So I don't know. Is this fake? So it I just Googled this and I have great things to report. Uh -huh. All I uh, Googled was thigh stop. I didn't put in anything else. Yeah. Very first story, CNN. Everything you need to prevent thigh chafing this summer. <laughs> <laughs> but then the next one is Wingstop adds new virtual restaurant, Thigh Stop, from the flavor experts that brought you Wingstop. Oh, that's so stupid. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I mean, okay, so at least that one's real, right? Yeah. I mean, I had no idea. And it's available for pickup and delivery only on DoorDash. So, uh, so it's an exclusive. Yeah. There you go. Well, so there's that. Who the fuck wants to eat fried thighs? Like wings. I don't know. That's bizarre. I don't know. Because the <laughs> the picture that they used was the exact same picture they use of wings, but with thighs. Yeah. So they gave you like six thighs. 
Anyway, so I was looking through a couple more of these, all sorts of places that like I've never heard of these places. And yet, according to DoorDash, like thousands of people have left reviews on them. Here's the thing. Some of these like I can tell that it's probably like downtown off a side street or like in a gas station or something like that, because something I notice on DoorDash, too. So do you pay any money to be listed on DoorDash? I think so. I don't know. Okay, so then riddle riddle me this. If there's anything you have to pay to DoorDash to be on DoorDash, right, as Mm -hmm. a restaurant. Right. Why would a place like Dave and Buster's be on DoorDash? (laughs) Or even better, Main Event was on DoorDash. (laughs) Which is like a Dave and Buster's. And even better than that, the bowling alley was temporarily on DoorDash. (laughs) What's Coop and Run, though? That's one that I've heard is a fake shell one. Yeah, so that's the other part of this. So I can't tell now because such small unknown places can get on DoorDash that I've never heard of. It mixes with these news stories that we heard, which is that places like Chili's will have shells on things like DoorDash, Uber Eats, that's just selling Chili's food. But, you know, like millennials don't want to go to Chili's and things like that. So they'll just sell it as some miscellaneous name. Right. And so you go on there thinking that you're trying out a new local restaurant or something like that, but it's just Chili's. And then the driver, I guess, gets instructions to go to Chili's. Okay. I, I just I just did some, like, true detective work over here. Mm-hmm. So, Coop and Run. I couldn't find out who, like, owns it. But you I said could Coop and Run? Coop and Run. Okay. Whoever owns it is in, like, North Carolina. Uh-huh. So, that's thing number one. I'm like, well, where are they going to go pick up the food when you get it? Yeah. And so, I Googled that address, and that happens to be the address for an O'Charlie's. Well, there you go. Yeah, see, so a fake one. Yeah. So we did find one fake one. Yeah, so if you if you think you're ordering food off of from Coop and Run, you're actually just getting chicken tenders from O'Charlie's. Which is honestly not that bad, but... They're not great. How do they hide some of that? Because for me, like... Hey, by the way, our food's been picked up from Belly Acres. Oh, there you go. Well, so for me, though, O'Charlie's has pretty distinct looking and tasting food, mm-hmm. at least when I used to get it in high school and in Murfreesboro or whatever. So, you know, like if I ordered mozzarella sticks, those Charlie's mozzarella sticks are like little triangle triangles. Oh, yeah, I hate <laughs> They're like those. cheese triangles. But if I got an order of those, I'd be like, wait a minute. Is this a Charlie's? Because they right. can't hide like their distinctive stuff, right? Right. right. Like if I got potato soup or whatever, like mm-hmm. from uh, something that was Olive Garden. Right. I would know that. Right. So I wonder how, I mean, I guess they're yeah. fooling some people. Yeah. We're going to have to research this a little bit more. Now knowing that we have hot food coming to us, hopefully it's hot. Yeah. Let's talk about our movie picks this week. Okay. Our very first listener pick. So great listener, Meg, um, recommended as our good movie, Eighth Grade. Came out in 2018, written and directed by Bo Burnham. Which is also perfect for this moment. Because Sean is obsessed with Bo Burnham right now. Yep. Speaking of which, this is unrelated. Did you see the TikTok I sent you? No. Okay, you'll love it. Um, And then to kind of pair it with like, you know... Kind of like that school age thing. Um, we went with Seventeen again, which is Zach Efron and Matthew Perry from two thousand nine. Right. Um, so I'm excited for both of these. Eighth grade is such a great. We haven't watched it since we saw it in theaters, right? No, it came out in twenty eighteen. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I remember that it was um, one of Barack Obama's favorite movies of twenty eighteen. It's just so realistic. Like it's not like. Thinking back on it, like, without, like, actually stopping to think about it, you can almost feel like it was almost done like a like a mock documentary style, but then you remember it wasn't, just mm-hmm. because, like, 
it was just such a constantly like just moving camera and very intimate. Yeah, well, something too that I read about it back when we saw it originally is that if you think about Bo Burnham and like his new special, this will really fit in with that, right? Mm-hmm. So Bo Burnham's new special, if you haven't seen it, go see it because it's fantastic. Even if you don't like his type of comedy, it's almost not even comedy. It's just a social critique that's very artistic and uses like modern sounding pop music. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a completely different experience. But one thing that's very noticeable in that comedy special that everybody has been bringing up is how like intricate it is because mm-hmm. he goes into such detail with everything. Like every mm-hmm. single choice he makes is intentional. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I learned about eighth grade. So every single time, uh, what is the main girl's name again? Uh, Kayla. Kayla. Every single time that she says something like, um, mm-hmm. or stutters, mm-hmm. that's written into the script. Right. Not one time. Is it just her like saying uh or mm-hmm. um? It's all built in. So when she's acting awkward, when she's using that mm-hmm. the, that terminology or phrasing, mm-hmm. it's all written into the script. And so he wrote it very like detailed and accurate mm-hmm. because that's what everybody brought up about eighth grade is that how real it feels, mm-hmm. at least for that subculture. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it almost like that's a really great point because I remember when I saw it, like you could almost with all the ums and everything, you could almost think that it was like a little bit improv, like Uh the way like it was done. But to know like it was not improv at all. It was very specifically to the script is even more fascinating. Well, we do have drinking rules from our favorite drinking site. So drinkone.ca. So I think these are perfect rules. Anytime anyone says Kayla, Mm -hmm. anytime Kayla says Gucci, which is like our favorite thing. Um, Anytime Kayla makes a video or when she crushes on Aiden or when she puts on or removes her headphones. Perfect. I think that's perfect. Yeah. Good amount. Yeah. All right. Well, I think our DoorDash is here. It might be O'Charlie's. We don't know. Um, Let's get that and watch eighth grade. All right. A word from our sponsor, DoorDash. (laughs) (laughs) I will, yeah, just to come back from this, we did find out a little bit more about DoorDash. I found a a Reddit post where people have been tracking, they call them ghost kitchens. Yes. I saw something on TikTok about this. Yeah. So that's what they're calling it. So in case you were interested in what we were talking about before about, uh, you know, these chain locations putting up fake uh, storefronts on DoorDash. So you think that you're buying from something local or different, but Mm -hmm. you're actually just buying from, you know, O'Charlie's like we just said. (laughs) So it turns out there's a whole lot of them. And so for anybody interested, here's a list that some people have been making on Reddit uh, Tender Shack is Outback Steakhouse. It's just Wings, which I'm pretty sure is here in Memphis. Yeah, it is. Is Chili's. That was the one that I knew I had seen before. Like that's I think that's how I got clued into the whole ghost kitchen thing. Right. Um Woa Boa. I don't know if it's Wobo or Woa Boa, but that's Ruby Tuesdays. But we don't have a Ruby Tuesday anymore because it closed down. Yeah. Um, there's a couple more. So there are a couple that I know for a fact I have seen on our DoorDash. Uh, crispy crunchy chicken is one and that comes out of gas stations yeah but like that's like not like a ghost kitchen like if you pass like a bp and they have that like chicken counter like it says crispy crunchy chicken like in the window right but it's making it seem it's definitely not telling you it's from a gas station (laughs) right it (laughs) didn't say it doesn't say like bp yeah it it says crispy crunchy chicken as if it's a place my favorite of all the ones and i'll leave it at this one tiny buns 
<laughs> so Tiny Buns is a DoorDash storefront in a lot of places. And <laughs> they serve sliders from Burger King. <laughs> That's disgusting. I didn't know Burger King had sliders, but I guess they, they don't. Do. Tiny Buns does. <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. Oh, like, uh, the other one that I brought up today, because I was like, actually, what is Dockside Charlie's? Mm-hmm. And that's another O'Charlie's. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, a fake O'Charlie's, but they're making it try to seem like, oh, we're on the river, like Tugs, right? Mm-hmm. And like the other. So mm-hmm. I think they specifically use Dockside when it, when there's a like a body of water, right? Like when you're by yeah. the uh, like a lake or an ocean or, or a river. So they're like really planning this out. So, like, can you go through the Burger King drive-thru and say, hey, I want to order off the Tiny Buns menu? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> but why? It's coming out of the same place. Well, and I don't think that they want you to know. Well, we know. Yeah, we know. But I don't know if they want this to be, like, public information. Sean, I dare you a video game. <laughs> I'm like, there's nothing that I could, like, that I could bet here to actually get you to do this. I dare you... To go through a Burger King's drive through and ask to order off the Tiny Buns menu. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to do that. <laughs> I don't know what they would do. I mean... If you would buy me a thing of caviar, I would do it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about that much. Uh, well, anyway, so for the people who are interested in that... Oh, Pasta Americana is a Ruby Tuesdays as well. There's, so there's a whole bunch of these. Go look it up on your own, and uh, you'll find a whole bunch. But Bo- Bojangles has some. Um, Sean's giving homework. Just go look it up on your own, yeah. okay? No, I mean, it, it's an interesting thing that I had no idea about. But I have been wondering, where did all these weird storefronts come from? Because I know they don't exist. They're not like a place I drive by. And, uh, yeah, turns out that it's just <laughs> turns out you actually drive through, drive through them all the time. Well, I, I never go to any of these. Uh, the Burger Dent. The Burger Den. That's a good one. That's a Denny's. <laughs> so if you see that one, really stay away from that. <laughs> right. So here's what you took out of this. If you see a Burger Den, don't go there. If you see a Tiny Buns, <laughs> no matter how good you think those sliders are, you're going to get some uh, Burger King. <laughs> so, And there's a whole lot of other ones. But uh, it looks like most of the kind of like boomer era chain places, they all have these fake mm-hmm. storefronts. So it's all like. Applebee's, Chili's, Red, uh, Red Robin, Carabas, Olive Garden, mm-hmm. all of those that we went to, you know, when we were in middle school, mm-hmm. high school. I still get to a couple of them every <laughs> once in a while. Okay. Well, now that we're done with our DoorDash content. Yeah. This <laughs> this is like the opposite of an ad, though. <laughs> it's more like a PSA on uh, DoorDash. God. This is, a, this is really a PSA for Grubhub. Uh, do you remember when Grubhub used to be like the only one that they had? I thought Uber Eats was the first. No Grub, no Grubhub. Was, you're right. Yeah, because it was um, it was the only one, and it was much more uh, locally centered. Yeah, so was a uh, Bite Squad, which I think. Yeah, I think Grubhub might have absorbed. It might have, but I I used it in undergrad, and it was the only service, mm. and it was you used it from a website. Oh, right? I didn't even know that. Yeah, so you used it from a website. Uh, they didn't have like an app yet for it, but. Oh. It's weird, though, that they started the game and then they, they're way behind on the game now. Right. Oh, okay. I'm, I, we can't talk about no. food delivery <laughs> anymore. Like, I was like, I'm about to go to like, another store. I was like, well, I listened to a podcast with the founder of DoorDash. And yeah. Well, yeah did, we just can't. did the founder of DoorDash talk about how they fake I don't restaurants? Think, I don't think ghost kitchens were a thing when I heard this interview done. All right. So in terms of the movie that we just watched. <laughs> Which movie did we just watch? Well, so we just watched Eighth Grade. 
So this movie, I thought the same exact, honestly, a lot of the thoughts that I remembered having when I watched it the first time came back this time. I had almost the exact same thoughts. The first is that this is such an accurate portrayal of eighth grade. Well, here's the thing. I feel, I have a lot of feelings and I don't, I don't know if I know exactly what they all are right now, but I think the number one is confusion about how Bo Burnham could capture the preteen, early teen girl experience so accurately. Right. Like, it's like, so like, there's like two views of this movie, right? Where you're like seeing like her internal processing and her like dealing with her anxiety and like getting through it. But then you also see just like the environments that she's in and like the kids that she's surrounded with and whatnot. And Mm. they're just so damn accurate. Like when they're at that pool party. There's, like, a small vignette for, like, every type of kid that always was doing shit at a pool party. Like, Yeah, that's really true. But that's not necessarily, um, you know, specific to a the eighth grade girl's experience. No, for sure. Because most of what he showed is kind of more the co-ed aspects of eighth grade. I w- yes, but I think it does go very deep into the girl experience yeah, of the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't know if he has, like, a sister or if he just, you know has learned a lot about it along the way. It's just one thing about Bo Burnham is that he accurately portrays social situations. He just has a really good eye for like the nuances of social situations uh, yeah. in everything that he's done. And so he's, he's, he's always doing these kind of like very accurate social critiques. And this one, it captured that aspect pretty well, almost throughout the whole movie, everything that happened. And then the relationship between the father and daughter mm-hmm. and like, how it juxtaposes this girl is like you know she keeps talking about how she has nobody in her life you know she's so alone but then her father is like literally breaking his back trying to do everything for her but she just like that's like completely neglected like she not one time until toward the end Mm -hmm. recognizes what her father is doing for her and like right so it's just it's funny to see that like the whole like focus on just the peer group which is an adolescent Mm -hmm. thing and just neglecting her father as as he does whatever it's kind of (laughs) sad sometimes the way she treats her dad so yeah so i just i think that so bo burnham is roughly our age he's a little bit younger than me yeah so it's so interesting because i feel like i i mean i don't talk to people in middle school like i don't have those well i guess like my nephews but See, that's maybe that's why I feel like this. So, like, what I was going to say is that, like, it felt like a modernized version of, like, what eighth grade was to us when we were in eighth grade, just with the additions of things like Snapchat and Instagram. Well, and that might be what it is. So, if you went and talked to, like, a real eighth grader, I don't know if that's as accurate to their experience. I think what he captured was a modernized version of what millennials think eighth grade is now and maybe that's accurate and maybe it's not but he captured our eighth grade experience if it were today see i think he captured our our eighth eighth grade experience as it was with smartphones like i just feel like that like just a smartphone was dropped in and that was it yeah um but then so like we're seeing that right so we're relating so hard to that side of it but then we're also relating so hardcore to Kayla's father's side of it, too, because, like, that's where we're at in our life right now. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have middle schoolers as children, but, like, we totally get that, like, like wanting to shake a younger person and be like, I swear none of this will matter in 10 years. Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like, and I remember my mom telling me that so many times when I was crying and upset about things going on at school and how I thought everyone hated me and I thought I was weird. And I just remember my, my mom just kept telling me, like, none of this matters. Yeah. And I and I hated her for saying that because I was like, it matters so much. Right. But it's like, 
it is reality. Like none of it matters right now. And like for how much heartbreak and heartache that I went through and everybody at that age feels like they're going through. Like it's like it's like just want to put it on a billboard that none of this will matter to you in 10 years. Right. Yeah. And he captures both parts of that pretty well, I think. And if I have one critique and just because I'm a developmental psychologist, I think that adolescence, as it's portrayed in most media, it it's always the storm and stress everything's chaotic and difficult and emotional. Yeah, that type of depiction, right? And so that's what it is with her. Like the way she interacts with her dad all the way through to the end until like the last 20, 30 minutes Mm -hmm. is kind of like, she's always snapping at him. She's always like, I don't care what you're saying. Like you're you're a loser, like whatever. That's not all that accurate. I think that people who have adolescents would say that, yeah, that does happen. And if you have an adolescent, you probably overemphasize how often that happens Mm -hmm. because it's hard for us to pay attention to when they're not doing that, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that in terms of real adolescence, the problem that we all, all have, and I think this relates to what, this is why it came to my mind, what you were saying about Bo Burnham created our eighth grade experience, but with smartphones, basically. <laughs> right. Which we had smartphones then by like maybe, I guess, early undergrad, right? Yeah. Um, so right after high school mm-hmm. when the first iPhone came out. But this whole experience, though, is like whenever you talk about adolescence or create a movie or a, write a book about being an adolescent, because you are no longer an adolescent, what you're actually creating is just the collection of the few memories you have of mm-hmm. adolescence. And so I th- that's what always tinges everything, mm-hmm. like any movie or book or something about an adolescent that isn't written by an adolescent, mm-hmm. right? It's only getting that really emotional stuff. Right. Because we forget all of our memories that aren't really emotional. Right. So we hardcore remember our middle and high school experiences that were really intense, like our first date mm-hmm. or our first breakup or, you know, mm-hmm. a moment of bit like really like being really embarrassed mm-hmm. or a moment of being really, really happy. Mm-hmm. But like the everyday mundane aspects of being a teenager, we do not remember as an adult. Mm-hmm. And so when we go back and reflect on it, we create these movies in mm-hmm. which everything that happens to you are the really big moments right. that you remember as an adult. You know, you said that that's a really good point. And you said you're not really going to capture it unless it's written by an adolescent. Right. Uh, sitting like three yards away from us is my diary from eighth grade. That is true. <laughs> I feel like I should go grab it. And this find might it. be the perfect time to bring this out. <laughs> I feel like it should. Now, What's, you're going to put to bed everything that I just said, <laughs> because we read a couple of these, and uh, there was a lot of cattiness and a lot of, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and pull one of those out. Just uh, take a random... Okay, let me go grab it. Yeah. All right, were you able to find it? Oh, my God, I did. I, okay, what's crazy is, like, I just, like, flipped open the diary to, like, the middle of it, because mm-hmm. I was just going to start thumbing through stuff. Yeah. I haven't read this through, so I have no clue what's about to be said. But, but this is from eighth grade, right? This is so the sentence going into here is like, I'm going into high school. It's scary. <laughs> like, wow. Do you sign is, it Gucci? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have known what Gucci is at that time. No. But okay. Are, do we want to read it? Yeah. Okay. Hey, exclamation point. I'm going into high school. It's scary just thinking about it. I'm scared about friends. I'm terrified about what click I'll fall into. Wow. (laughs) Wow. It sounds stupid, I know. Mm. Uh, So the developmental psychologist made a click (laughs) is your small friend group. A Uh crowd is what you were worried about falling into. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the like John Hughes, you know, groups of (laughs) 
stereotypic groups, right? right. Jocks and right. goths and all that. This year I went out with Taylor Bradley. Shout out Taylor Bradley. who will never hear this. Uh, he's really cute, but he was too quiet for me. Boy <laughs> never talked, I swear. <laughs> okay. Jonathan and I went through a lot of drama this year. Jonathan, Jonathan? He was the, um, the guy whose family started the church in the living room. And oh, the one that you would try to... I, you try to date? Look, I was obsessed with this boy. He moved from California when we were in seventh grade. I instantly was like in love. I think this was like my first love. Um, he did not love me or like me. But Wait, was Jonathan your Aiden? Yes, but he was but he wasn't a douchebag. Like he was he's legitimately the nicest human being I've ever met. Right, yeah. And he still is. But his dad was a pastor and they decided that they wanted to start their own church, basically at their house mm -hmm. and so we called it well i i really hope nobody connected to this is going to listen to this um we called it the my parents called it the church of the living room uh -huh. and i like so for me i was a little bit like kayla in eighth grade the movie i was like very quiet very anxious all the time and very i had a I still have really high social anxiety, mm -hmm. but I also was friends with like, like the kids that kind of made up the biggest group of yeah. people, you know? Mm -hmm. So like through my weird social capital, I thought the way that I was going to get Jonathan to fall in love with me was to get everybody to come to this church. I'm not kidding you. This became the biggest thing. Like, and I swear <laughs> that I'm responsible for it. <laughs> All because you wanted to date a boy that you didn't end up dating. Yeah. What does it mean that you had gone through a lot? I don't know. Okay. So it says... We're not as close as we need to be. <laughs> <laughs> as we need to be. I don't think he wants to be that close anymore. Anymore? Yeah. And I'll guess I'll just have to deal with that. Sometimes I wish I wasn't me. I want to be someone who doesn't get depressed for no reason. Oh, my God. You are Kayla. <laughs> oh, my God. I want to be someone who won't cry because she feels nobody likes her. Sometimes I wonder is if this is normal. Does every teenager go through the stage? Oh my god! So here's the thing: when we were, and I was kind of just joking because I don't know, <laughs> I don't know so much about your other than what you've told me about your middle school years. But watching this movie, I was like, man, you are kind of Kayla, right? Like, like in eighth grade, you were right. Kayla, and uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Probably not that extreme. I don't think that you were like quite the you know nervous Nelly is right. <laughs> I definitely had friends. Like yeah. mm -hmm. I, had a, I had a good amount of friends, but I definitely was like very socially awkward, and I was not thought of as a cool person. Well, and you were like the captain of your dance team. And not stuff. at this part. Not at this point, though. Well, not long before, right? I mean, that was like eleventh grade. Yeah. Well, still. Anyways, I mean. okay. So, um, I was flipping flipping through the pages of you, you being the diary. And oh wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm like talking to the diary. Oh, oh okay. And Chip's name was brought up quite a few times. Who's Chip? Well, won't you find out? I don't have a crush on him anymore, but I can't say the same for him. According to him, he still likes me, but to be honest, I don't think he knows me. I mean, he gets in so much trouble so easily, and I'm the exact opposite of that. Wow. How is he getting in trouble? I mean, I think that he might actually be in jail right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean real trouble. Yeah. So this reminds me of my eighth grade experience. Which was uh, one time I was playing outside my house in the uh, cul-de-sac where we lived. And the the school guy who was the chip of our school, <laughs> he, you know, the guy who always mm -hmm. got in trouble. Right. He wore the Jinko jeans with like the flaming dice on the back pocket right. and spiked his hair and had the chain and whatever. He came by on his bike and was like, hey, we're going to the construction site. We're going to jump off these like dirt like uh, mounds. <laughs> right. 
but it was trespassing zone because right. it was a construction site. You're not supposed to be there. And it was dangerous. Right. And uh, he was like, are you coming? And I was like, and I didn't really know him. He wasn't my like good friend or anything like that. But he was like somebody everybody in the school knew. And so I was like, yeah, okay, I'll go. But the whole time I was so nervous because it's already getting kind of late. And I was never one to break rules, especially not in middle and high school. Mm -hmm. So like if there was a no trespassing sign, in my mind, my mother drilled into me that like the, you step one foot through there and like police sirens are going to be blaring. They're going right. yeah, <laughs> to get I mean, handcuffed. That, that's like, like how my, that's how like my mom was with me. Right. And so that's all I could think of the whole way there. So we get maybe halfway there and I literally just peel off <laughs> and just leave the group. <laughs> I don't think I ever talked to that guy again. He went to um, Jufi not long after that. He didn't go to high school with us because he um, he was taken out of like regular schooling and put in, into See, one of those. you and I had a sixth sense at yeah. an eighth grade. Well, I mean, we should about not those to be, situations. <laughs> but not to be around. Right. So I transitioned to say... Well, I'm dancing a lot now. I actually just got done with a performance at Disney World. We're going to call it that. Um, I've made a lot of new friends at my dance school. And I'm not going to th go through this full list of people, but I do want to call out two names in here. Um, Allie's written in here because this is when Allie and I started becoming best friends. Who, oh, you weren't friends before that? We were friends, but we weren't like how we are now. Yeah. So mm -hmm. she's like my best friend in the world. And yeah. Um, this is like the time that we were becoming as close as we are. And Trey is in here. Who, oh, there you go. He's like my little brother. And I, this is like when I was meeting him, becoming friends with him. So anyways, that's kind of the that's kind of the gist of this entry. But oh, my God, how so like, accurate. I guess Bo Burnham. Well, he, again, he accurately captured eighth grade, at least for millennials. <laughs> oh, my God. I just can't believe I can't believe that I just opened it. And that was the the entry. And you signed it. How? Oh, this one I signed as Princess Ashley. So there you go. I think we can. Oh, I hear. I just opened up to the thing of where I talked about um, having like a signage name in my diary. Mm -hmm. So this was like the second entry in my diary ever. So this would have been like sixth or seventh grade, I think. And all right. Hey. And then I put in parentheses, makeup writing name. Like I need to make up like a name for my diary. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so then I say, my nickname will be Dumb Blonde. Otay? Like, not, not like okay. Otay. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to see. I asked the inanimate object, what do you want your nickname to be? Did it respond? It, it did it. It never got a nickname because later you called it you. Yeah. So, so I signed this with a heart and inside the heart, I wrote incursive always. And then underneath it, I wrote dumb blonde. So, but in this one, I transitioned to, in the, like the entry that we um, read today, I signed up princess Ashley, which was like. My nickname, it still follows me around a little bit, so. Yeah, well, and, and the last thing we'll talk about with this is that Princess Ashley is important because when I was first meeting Ashley and she was telling me about just aspects of her life, one thing that happened to come oh, up was that when hey, she... Hey, this was in eighth grade. When she was in <laughs> eighth grade, she... Okay, so now <laughs> this is... Let me preface this. <laughs> Ashley just said that yeah, I was so shy. I was so reclusive. I really felt like Kayla, like... Okay, if you watch eighth grade, Kayla is like a girl who has no friends. She's really overlooked. Nobody really knows her name. People don't really want to hang out it with her. It was like that in ways. Yeah, okay. And then here comes Princess Ashley, <laughs> who literally wore tiaras. Okay, and not because she's like rich and like was no, like, wearing like, like, tiaras. No, like plastic, like, like Party City no, tiaras. <laughs> that 
takes something, <laughs> right? Okay, there's, there's like, I, I think around the time, too, is, like, when, like, the height of, like, the Paris Hilton type well, stuff was, was like, thinking, a huge yeah. thing. And yeah. so I think, like, that kind of normalized that behavior mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, no, mm-hmm. like, it, it was stupid. Like, Did anybody else wear tiaras? I mean, no. Yeah. But... <laughs> But it started out, like, as a joke. Like, I think um, in, like, a teacher's classroom or something, like, they had, a, they had like, one of these, like, plastic tiaras one day. And I mm-hmm. think, like, I jokingly put it on. And, like, somebody made a comment of, like, oh, it's Princess Ashley. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I loved that comment so much that I just, like, latched onto it. And it just became its own thing. Did it only last eighth grade? You didn't take it to high school? No, it went all the way through. Like, but I wasn't wearing, I, I don't think I, I, wore, I remember on my birthday in ninth grade, I wore a tiara and jewels to school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I did it beyond that. Well, but the name Princess Ashley is always stuck. Yeah. Well, like I think, and if like some of my friends, like Allie, I, I don't know if I still am, but I, for a very long time, up until a few years ago, I was Princess Ashley in her phone. But yeah. Okay. Let's get back to the movie though. Um, well, so what we learned is that it was a very accurate portrayal, at least of, of our eighth grade. But I mean, it's so, so I don't know if you remember, uh, this did not happen to me in eighth grade, but oh my God, like the capture of the feeling is just so, I mean, gut-wrenching. So I remember when we saw it in theaters, the scene in the car, yeah. which if you've seen this movie, you know what scene we're talking about. When we saw it in theaters, I remember it hit such a nerve with me that I started sobbing and had to leave the theater. Yeah. Like it was like it made me like like dry heave sobbing. Right. And tonight watching it, I got all those same horrible, uncomfortable feelings. And I think I just put my shirt over my head. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah, I you think, did. I think I literally just pulled my shirt over my head the entire scene. Yeah, and that was actually something I was going to bring up because, uh, and not to give away like what happens in in mm-hmm. the movie. Uh, for once. Yeah, for once. <laughs> well, eighth grade is a movie you really should see mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it already. But. Yeah. The thing about this movie is that it does tackle, like, sexual things Mm -hmm. uh, about middle school. Because you have to. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, puberty and people are starting to have sex or do sexual acts and 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 things like that. Figure out, like, what all those weird feelings mean. Right. And so it definitely does tackle it because it needs to if it's going to portray eighth grade. But what it really does well and what it could have done poorly is that it's able to do that without being too excessive. Mm -hmm. or without being too graphic yeah because you have to think this was a 13 or 15 year old actress Mm -hmm. doing this Mm -hmm. and so yes bo burnham could have written it in and had her do more extreme things Mm -hmm. right so like something that that's not too big of a of of a give is that she's really interested in this one boy at the beginning of the movie and like Mm -hmm. uh he's kind of like a douchebag and she tries to talk to him he was one of our drinking yeah aiden yeah and so she's trying to talk to him and He's just like, you know, the classic, I don't care about anything, right, type of character. And so she goes up to him and is talking to him. And she heard that he broke up with his girlfriend because she didn't send him nudes. And so she's like trying to like very awkwardly be like, oh, my God, look what I accidentally stumbled on. My folder of nudes. (laughs) And that like gets his attention or whatever. But he was like, do you get blowjobs? And that could have gone like Mm -hmm. way like more icky mm-hmm. <laughs> right but it didn't mm-hmm. and so like i think that he was able throughout the whole movie with all subjects including the car scene mm-hmm. i think he was able to do it in a way that like gave you all the emotions it needed to give you mm-hmm. without taking it that step further mm-hmm. that it didn't need to go anyway right right because and and i think the other aspect of this is that like and we're we're 
talking about, you know, like sexual things are happening and whatever. Mm -hmm. And we, so we were already kind of giving away what's a, a mm -hmm. little bit about the car, but so for instance, she doesn't get raped or anything like that. Mm -mm. So that's something that might've happened in some movies, mm -hmm. but I think that like, it wasn't necessary for the mm -hmm. plot to go to that, that mm -hmm. next ex extreme, but it also talks about something that's just as real and everyday that progressively leads to things like rape. Exactly. Right. And where it's like, it's able to make that comment and it's able to take something where like, you know, you might have this, you know, male principal or father figure or something who like you, you tell that situation to and they're like, but I mean, like nothing happened. Right. Right. So like, that's something that could be said about those things. But it's like what it does so well is that you saw like the physical and emotional discomfort of, and felt that discomfort in that right. moment. So it really helps you get the feel of like, even when things don't happen, the situation can still be kind of traumatizing. Right. I'm, that I am so happy you said that. Like, that is such a great way to put it. I think, like, that one scene should be required viewing for, especially, like, men who don't understand, like, what women are saying, like, in the Me Too movement and stuff. Right. Because, I mean, like, literally, in reality, nothing nothing happened. Right. right. Like, mm -hmm. it, it didn't go too far, but in which is a really lucky case in this. But, like, it's so, I mean, and it was making me like dry heave sob because I knew exactly what that feeling was. Like I'd been in that situation, that same exact situation, not in eighth grade, but in high school and through college of like knowing like you don't actually like me. This is just what you want me to do, but I want to feel like you like me. So I'll do whatever. Right. And it, particularly what, and we need is, <laughs> I mean, this is really serious, but, but what really got to me was at the end when she apologizes. Yes, when she says, like, sorry. Like, yeah, I'm, she's like, I'm, I'm just so sorry. Like, it's my fault. Like, I did this. Right. And it's even, like, when she yelled at him, no. Like, right. and, like, stopped what was happening. Mm -hmm. She immediately said sorry. Like, within right. less than a second after she did that. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's let's get off of yeah, such a heavy... Yeah, down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's take it down. It is a little dif difficult because eighth grade is... It's a comedy in some ways, and then it's also, like, a drama and a really kind of... It's not depressing, but it's very heavy in some places she says the most accurate thing kind of in the third act of the movie like when she's like realizing that she's not like that she needs to stop like trying to pretend yeah and she says i constantly have that feeling of like when you go down the hill of a roller coaster where like you have butterflies oh, but i but yeah, i never was, have it was when you're standing in line she said uh oh yeah i have the feeling of when you're standing in line waiting on a roller coaster and you get the butterflies. Right. And she said, but I never get like the fun feeling after you're done with the roller coaster, remembering how much fun you had. Right. That is the most accurate like way to describe being 11 through 16 to me. Right. Cause I remember like, I like when I think back on that time in my life, like I would, I would rather die than you make me repeat that. Mm -hmm. And I remember that in high school, I was like, I'm like finally happy. Like, <laughs> you know, um, it was such like, I had like a moment when I was watching this of being like, it's when she's watching the video that she made herself when she's going into sixth grade for her eighth grade graduation, like yeah. talking to her future self and she's watching it. Mm -hmm. And like her sixth grade self is like, so like, do you have a boyfriend and is he attractive? And like, is he cool? And like, do you have all these friends and blah, blah, blah. And I mm -hmm. remember being so much in that same headspace of thinking that life was just going to happen to me because that's where it was going. Mm -hmm. And like, well, because I'm going into high school all these things going to happen. Like life just happens. Right. 
And I, I mean, I probably wasn't until I was like 21 or 22 that I realized like that's not how life works. Right. And that's kind of like the progression that happens in terms of character development is mm-hmm. that she goes from that mentality and then she recreates a video that's very similar at the end for her uh, mm-hmm. high school graduation self mm-hmm. and uh, buries that like she did mm-hmm. with the sixth grade one. But what she changes is, again, she's like, I hope you have a boyfriend and I hope he treats you well because you deserve it. And like, mm-hmm. that's the small shift in wording. Yeah. Cause she said kind of the same thing, but she was like, is he nice? Yeah. And so now she's like, right. It shows that growth. What I'm learning. And I have known for a while now is that Bo Burnham is just great. (laughs) Cause he wrote all that, right? Like he, he wrote, he wrote and directed this and everything about it is just so spot on really. And like I said, he's, he just pays such good attention to detail and he does that with everything that he does. Right. The last thing I want to talk about before we jump into wrapping this up, the one thing that I did love about this was just the casting and the casting of real kids mm-hmm. and whatnot. It's an even better version of the show Pen 15, which we really like, yep. which we like it for the same exact reason that they cast kids actually that age, right. except for the two leads who are like our age, which is hilarious in itself. Um, but I just love like, for instance, like Aiden, it's like these slow mo, like really like, oh, this is the music to let you know that this is the guy. And it's just this ugly kid doing unextraordinary things. Yeah, which is accurate to middle school. so accurate. (laughs) There's a lot of videos like that, like on Reddit and TikTok and whatever, of like like the kid who broke my heart in sixth grade. And he has that like, (laughs) you know, crappy pencil-thin mustache (laughs) and, you know, like sunken chest and everything. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's accurate. Yeah. Well, in terms of drinkability, I think our rules were spot on. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think the only one we talked about that we should probably add is that every time, like, an adult is trying to do something to make themselves seem relatable. Yeah, they do all of it. Uh, they um, There's a dab. Yeah, there's, there's a dab. There's also, um, what was it at the beginning that she said? Oh, it's going to be lit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, what are you rating this? I'm, I'm going to give it, like, a 98. Uh, I'm high. I'm uh, real high <laughs> on it. That's one of the highest I've rated things. It's just... It's not that long, and in that length of a movie, to be able to work that much in, because it's not like that much happened. Right, At the yeah. end of the day, it was a, a pretty simple mm-hmm. story that didn't do any, like, there's no big thing. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of mundane. Mm-hmm. And yet it's it's mundane in, like, a nostalgic and impactful way. Mm-hmm. And no, exactly. that takes a lot. To, to have no real, like, crises... Right. That happened. So right. we almost have one, mm-hmm. but it doesn't happen. And then, I mean, it still mm-hmm. has an, a psychological effect, obviously, because, mm-hmm. I mean, something happened, just not mm-hmm. to the extent it could have. But, like, to be able to deal with such a mundane, otherwise, movie uh, and script and to, to be that great, I don't know. And and it's it's funny, too. And it's, it's more like dark humor or subtle mm-hmm. humor. It's all dialogue-based humor. But uh, it's funny, too. So I, I just, I'm really high on it. 98. Um, so when we were sitting down, I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, what are we going to rate this? And I was like, shit, am I putting this in the nineties? Because like 89 is like my, like my, like very high, like, I think you're a really great movie, but I'm not going to call you a favorite movie. Like yeah. the nineties are reserved for my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. I'm giving this a 95. That's like, pretty high too. This is a, a masterpiece. I mean, it definitely got a ton of press and, like, recognition, like, when it came out. But I don't think it got enough. No, and it didn't really win awards. Yeah, or the big ones, at least. No, and so, I mean, I think it was such a well-crafted thing. And it's clear that since then, that was kind of the turn uh, with Bo Burnham when he 
went more serious and and now with inside a lot more serious for a comedy special even though it's you know still you know funny and in a comedy he's just like really turned it up you know to 100 just trying to pump out really good art yeah <laughs> like everything yeah. he's doing is like it's no longer quirky right because right. bo burnham came from youtube and vine mm-hmm. that's like where he gained all of his popularity right. and he was he started if you go back and watch it He's much more like what we were like in high school, making mm-hmm. just like dumb jokes. Right. Right. And that's what he started out as. Mm-hmm. And he's just gone through so much development as a comedian and as an artist. And he's just like pumping out great stuff now. Yeah. it's I was solidly in the like Bo Burnham is not my thing category. Right. And definitely like because I was like a casual observer of like, I just knew what his shtick was and like what he was doing and he, and he standups or like, even like you're playing one of his older songs in the car the other day. And I was just like, this is just not my thing. But like, I will say like with this, I, I did enjoy the inside special that he did. Mm-hmm. I obviously loved his, him and promising young woman. Yeah. I, I am definitely on the train for 30, Bo Burnham. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, he's he's killing it. Um, I wish I would see. Uh, what's her name again? Elsie. Um, Elsie. Oh, damn it. If you hadn't asked me, I could tell you. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, Fisher. Yes. Elsie. Because it's almost like I love Fisher. Yeah. It's Elsie Fisher. Fisher yeah. yeah. I wish she was in more things because she was great in this. She's and that was like, uh, it's not the first thing she was in. The first mm-hmm. thing she was in is she actually voiced um, Agnes in Despicable Me. Yep. So the one that your mom quotes all the time. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's so fluffy. Mm-hmm. That voice. Yep. Um, she was that little girl. She was young. I think she was the age of the little girl when she played her. Uh, and then in this, I think she was like 13 or 15 when she was in this. And uh, she was so good. And I, I read an interview with Bo Burnham talking about her back when we saw this. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how like he wrote this script and he thought it was trash because they kept having readings with like a thousand mm-hmm. different 13 to 15 year olds. Mm-hmm. And he said it. He said it was always bad. And then she read it, and he was like, "Holy shit! Like we got it. Right. Like it makes sense now." Right. So um, he, it really knocked it out of the park. And what's even funnier about that is that she was like the one person out of the like hundreds or whatever that they, you know, um, when they were auditioning her. And then you know what happened after that? She was in this movie, a movie that had critical acclaim, mm-hmm. that was on Barack Obama's <laughs> favorite movie <laughs> list. She did not get cast in her high school play. Wow. She was not cast in her high school play wow. that she auditioned for. Can you imagine? No. Unless she goes to some like weird school mm-hmm. where like every like. It's like the fame school. You're like with all the Hanks <laughs> yeah. and the right. Hemsworths and, right. and whatever. Like unless. <laughs> <The> Hemsworths. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to think of right. like a family of actors. Right. right? I'm not saying that they're the best actors, but they're pretty good. <laughs> Uh, uh, Chet Hanks is over there just, you know, Chet <laughs> killing it. White Boy Summer or whatever. Right. No, but I mean, you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I know what you're The saying. families of actors right. where they're all actors. Mm-hmm. Unless she's in a school like that. Can you imagine not casting this girl in a, in a high school play? Yeah, that's hella weird. Yeah. Okay, so let's transition into our bad movie. Yep. Okay, so we have On Deck 17 again, which came out in 2009. I think I saw this when it came out. In- Was this in between... High School Musical 1 and 2? This would have been when 3 was wrapping up. Okay, so it's almost mm-hmm. at the end of the whole mm-hmm. High School Musical yeah, era. Yeah, I think this is him being like, I'm going to do a PG-13 movie. Okay. So I'm going to read the the summary because I had to look up the summary to be like, I don't really know what happens here. Yeah. Um. So it says Mike O'Donnell, which is Matthew Perry, mm-hmm. was a high school basketball star with a bright future, but he threw it all away to marry his girlfriend and raise their child. Almost 20 years later... 
Mike's marriage has failed. His kids think he's a loser and his job is going nowhere. He gets a chance to to correct the mistakes of his past and change his life when he is miraculously transformed into a teenager, played by Zac Efron. But in trying to fix his past, Mike may be jeopardizing his present and future. I don't know how any of that works because I know for a fact that this is like in present day. So I don't know how you can fix your past in present day. But I don't know. We'll see. Okay, so here is something bizarre about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, not bizarre. My shot in the dark mm-hmm. was going to be that he plays basketball. Stop. So now I can't do that. No, you can't. Because in the synopsis, <laughs> it says that he was a former basketball no. star. And you know why I was going to do it? Because <laughs> Zach Efron was a basketball star in the high school musicals. And that's the same <laughs> logic that I used. Right. Right. That's the same logic I used when we watched um, John Tucker Must Die. Right. Because I was basing right. that off of right. Get Over It. <laughs> I know. So John Tucker Must Die, Get Over It, 17 Again, and all three high school musicals, all basketball stars. I can't every believe single one. you found a way to have a three episode streak of bringing up Get Over It. I'm going to find a way to make I'm going to, it's going to come in every single time. We have to then actually watch it on this podcast. Yeah, we will. We'll go back and watch it again. It'll be in our top 10, obviously, because you rated it like one of the highest movies that you've ever rated. <laughs> oh, God. No, I didn't. Anyways. Um, well, let's go over our drinking rules and then I do want to, um, I do want to talk about a shot in the dark. Yeah. I've never seen it. So I'm going to definitely have one. Yeah. So drink when our favorite site has rules again. So the ones that they lay out are anytime someone says Scarlet, Mark says anything dad-like, Mark has an awkward or inappropriate moment with his family, divorce is mentioned, you see a basketball, (laughs) and there's a reference to, to Ned's nerdy obsessions. Okay, remind me again. So Matthew Perry, mm-hmm. whatever, he's middle-aged. I don't know what age he's supposed to be in this. He is mm-hmm. going to go back and be 17 again. Mm-hmm. But he's not going back in time. Mm-hmm. He's going to become his old 17-year-old self in today's modern world. That's what it seems like. Or maybe he's just a teenager. That's not necessarily like what he looked like. I, d- I don't know. Okay, well, it definitely isn't what Matthew Perry looks like. <laughs> We can just get that one out of the way. But, okay, so here's my guesses. I had two guesses, and you can help help me limit it down. Okay. So the first one I came up with is that it's going to pull the the quintessential. At some point, he's going to realize that, like, his life was not that bad, mm-hmm. and he needs to go back to being older because now he's, like, learned his lesson and, like, mm-hmm. how else it says he has a daughter, right? Yeah, like, how so else does this go? Well, I think that has some, so maybe that's too maybe that's too spot on, right? Right. It's just some sometime you're gonna have to come up with this freaky Friday or I get younger again storyline where you don't tell it that way. Right. Somebody's I agree. gonna have to break that cycle because it's how all of them end. Right. Learning that your life was actually starting with a it's a wonderful life even. <laughs> like you did anything where you have to go back and view your right. past self or whatever, right. you always learn that you had it better when right. you were older or whatever. But okay, so maybe that's too likely. So my other guess then is that it's going to pull a Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. I think Matthew Perry is going to become Zac Efron, and there's going to be at least one joke where his daughter hits mm-hmm. on him. Oh, for sure. Or there's going to be tension or something. All right. And like he's going to have be like, oh, I have to get, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Matthew Perry. Yeah. Right? Right. Well, it's Zac Efron. But it's going to be Zac Efron trying to act like Matthew Perry. Well, I'm glad you bring that up. I think I want to bring this up before um, I say my shot in the dark. Yeah. So I was just trying to look up some facts on this movie, like anything to jog my memory. Mm -hmm. Here's a piece of trivia in the trivia section of IMDb. Zac Efron called Matthew Perry for help on his lines and mimicking some of his movements to give a more authentic performance. There you go. Is that not fucking acting? 
Like, what was his job if it was not to give an authentic <laughs> performance? Well, I, I mean, he could have just acted like Zac Efron. But what he wanted to do was act like Zac Efron if Matthew Perry was in his body. Yeah, but right? that's why if I'm going to pay my $18 for a fucking ticket, I would like the two actors who are playing the same person to have the same mannerisms. Right. Like, and not get a fucking gold star at IMDb for calling him. So is your shot in the dark going to be that he says, could it be any blank? No. Like, you know, like Chandler's like... No, I know what my shot in the dark is. Okay. My shot in the dark is once he's transformed into Zac Efron, yep. having that really cliche scene that has two purposes. Mm-hmm. One being cliche, two giving us a shirtless Zac Efron. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to do the thing like where like he goes and like he like walks by the mirror in his room is like, oh my God. And then like suddenly his shirt's off or something. And he's like looking at his like stomach and is like, oh my God, I have abs and like standing from the side and like, you know, like whoa like yeah. i look good i'm that's we're gonna take two shots because right. i think both of ours are gonna <laughs> we probably went we went too accurate on this guys right. we'll see maybe it won't happen maybe they'll uh who's who directed this burstier oh burstier D- don't we know that person yes how do we know charlie st cloud <gasps> charlie st cloud wait is it no double check me on that Burstier did one of our movies that we watched in the past, and okay. I think it was Charlie, Charlie St. Cloud. Cloud. Holy shit! So you can—that's the long, <gasps> the long Whoa. time. Well, in <laughs> Zac Efron in Charlie St. Cloud. Okay, this is before this version of the podcast ever came to be, but oh my god, there is a whole shtick with Charlie St. Cloud. We're going to watch it one day and have an episode on it. Oh my god! Yeah. There you go. Oh my god, this is this is crazy. I remember the director's name because it was so weird. I knew, so I saw the Burst name and I was deer. like, I was like, I think I'm thinking of someone else. Yeah. Holy shit. The I think the director's name from uh, Fool's Gold was also kind of weird. I think that director's yeah, name was weird. Yeah, I think that's what I was thinking. But not of. as weird as Burst Deer. Holy shit. Yep. There you go. Okay, now I'm even more excited. Yeah. Okay, we ready? Let's go do this. All right. Have you been craving O'Charlie's chicken tenders and don't know how to get them? <laughs> DoorDash, coupon run. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. <laughs> uh, we're back from watching 17 again. Wah, wah, wee, wah. So this was from what, 2009? Yeah. It was every famous person of that like time period, I felt like. Really? Well, so like Jim Gaffigan was in it, Zac Efron. Uh, Matthew Perry was trying to reboot his career right now. Remember, he had that like sitcom that fell through. He did. Yeah, remember, it was on like NBC or something like that. I remember when Matt LeBlanc had one on NBC. Uh, they both tried to do it. Matthew Perry had one. I know for a fact it was Matthew Perry. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember what it was called. I want to say he played a teacher. Yeah, that tracks. Because I thought it was called like Mister Something. I don't remember. Anyway. So this was around the time when he was trying to reboot his career a little bit. I think this is the last movie he did. He was in like, you know, after Friends ended. Mr. Sunshine, you're right. Yeah. This was 2011. So that, or Mr. Sunshine was 2011. So this was, that was two years after this movie. Yeah. But that's what I was saying is this is around the time he was trying to reboot his career because he had kind of fallen off. I think this is the last movie he ever did because he did like, I want to say three or four movies before this. And on one of those movies, I can't remember which. Is when he was in like the peak of his like um I think he was addicted to prescription pills, isn't that what it was? I think he was addicted to most things. 
Yeah, I think it started with prescription pills and then it just escalated from there. So you're right. This is the last movie that he did. Um, he what the most recent thing that he did was in 2017, the Kennedys after Camelot, where he played uh, Ted Kennedy. And I have not seen that, but it's something that I've wanted to see. So it came out in 2017, and it's where Katie Holmes played Jackie Kennedy, which I'm obsessed with anything that has to do with people trying to play Jackie Kennedy. Oh, so, okay, so, okay, okay, okay. Sorry. So I remember now, so in 2011, there was a miniseries called The Kennedys. Mm-hmm. And that's like where Katie Holmes was playing um, Jackie Kennedy, because I thought, I was like, I like this a little while ago. And then I guess in 2017, they try to do one like after his death. Like, uh, so that yeah. makes a lot more sense. But yeah. So um, going back to what I was saying, though, so we have Matthew Perry as he was trying to reboot. And, it, you know, uh, it was what, like, was it the late 90s that Friends ended or the early 2000s? Early 2000s. Okay. So this wasn't like, so this is like the decade that he ended his career. This is, yeah. This is probably him like reaching to be like, look, I can do movies other than the whole nine yards. Right. Right. Yeah. So. You have him, you have Zac Efron at the peak of his fame at, at the time, right? For sure. And because you said it was like right around the third high school musical. So he's already cemented yeah. as like a, a yeah. figure making a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Actually read this grossed over $100 million. Oh, I saw 64. I thought it was over, maybe globally. Yeah, oh, it was that's over probably 100. It. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is a lot because I, I mean, it definitely made money. It's definitely because of Zac Efron. Right, yeah. And uh, so you have that. Uh, Michelle Trachtenberg. Who, Buffy was done by this point. For anybody who doesn't know, I was the biggest Buffy fan in the world. Not not in the world. There's some crazy people out there. But um, Buffy wrapped up in 2007, 2008. Um, no, way earlier than that. 2006? Whatever. Um, and then, so this would have been post that. But this would have been around the time that Michelle Trachtenberg was playing Georgina on Gossip Girl, which had her like give like a little, probably a brief and and her last spike in like popularity for a while. Right. Well, so you have those people, and then you have Leslie Mann, of course. Uh, you have Thomas Lennon, mm-hmm. and he would have been coming off of Reno Nine One One when this was out. I think Reno Nine One One, the movie, came out. It might have still been on air even. I love that show. Well, the final season of Buffy was 2003. I really don't understand my timelines right now. Oh, yeah. You overshot that one. Well, <laughs> either way, it should be. Yeah. So, and then I think I already said Jim Gaffigan. It's just like everybody that was like a name in the mid, in that 2000 to 2010 range. Uh, they seem to be in this movie. So, and then, and then Jan from Office. Oh, yeah. I another person her. who was big uh, in the time period. I always forget her name. She has like a very uncommon first name. Yeah, I can't that doesn't remember. seem to fit her. It's like Morala or something like that. Right. So before we get into this, I want to say something. Yep. This is a bad movie. Yeah. There are a lot of things wrong with it. Like I said when we were watching it, I don't think Zac Efron is what's wrong with this movie. Michelle Trachtenberg is kind of what's wrong with the movie. <laughs> well, Burr Steers is also what's wrong with this movie. Like the direction oh, yeah. was horrible. Yeah, that's that's true, but. <laughs> It's kind of like Grandma's Boy. That's what it's called, right? I don't know what you're talking about. I love that movie. The the, the comedy. You, you don't remember that movie? I remember Waterboy. No, never mind. <laughs> anyway, it, it was kind of like a mix of that kind of humor with the more Zac Efron, like High School Musical-ish type of humor. But it's hard to track what type of movie this is. It was not like 
burst years <laughs> did in uh, Charlie St. Cloud, mm-hmm. which was very serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did kind of think that the woman from Charlie St. Cloud was going to make an appearance in this. Really? Yeah. Well, I just thought that would be like the type of person to be in it. He took Zac Efron from this to Charlie St. Cloud, and I thought maybe she was going to be like the love interest. The head cheerleader that his Matthew Perry's son mm-hmm. uh, is interested in kind of looked like her in some scenes, um, but it wasn't her. I'm trying to remember what that kid was in. So I feel like his name, I'm trying to remember that kid's name um, who plays his son. I feel like it's like Alex Sterling or something like that. Hmm. Um, give me one second. I'll find it. Sterling Knight. I knew Sterling was in there. What was he? He was in. Oh, my God. Yes. He was the lead in Sunny with a Chance. Do you remember that show on Disney Channel of Demi Lovato? No. Oh, okay. It was right at the end of like when we would care about um, anything Disney Channel related. Not really, I didn't really watch any of the Disney Channel stuff. That's weird. Not really. I do think that I stuck on to uh, Disney Channel probably for too long. <laughs> I mean, as like a man in high school, <laughs> I wasn't going to watch Hannah Montana and stuff. Like, How dare you? You missed out on a lot. I mean, it's just like not what people were watching. At least not. It's what everybody was watching. <laughs> In high school? Yeah. Huh. Weird. Disney Channel? <laughs> I went to, in high school, I went to the Hannah Montana slash Jonas Brothers concert in 3D at the movie theater. Oh, boy. With a group of friends, and we all made, like, concert t-shirts. Oh, boy. That's something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just pretend you didn't say that. Okay, back to my point, though. I think Zac Efron might be a good actor. Yeah, he was good in this. He's much better in this than he is in something like High School Musical. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed him in this. I don't know if he got, like, all of Matthew Perry's mannerisms down, but I guess you could kind of tell that he was trying to be Matthew Perry. Honestly, I think for the movie that it was, that Zac Efron was 95% of the movie, mm-hmm. I honestly think the onus was on Matthew Perry to match Zac Efron. Yeah. Well, he was barely in it. I mean, he looked like he was coming out from a bender. He looks so much younger, too. This movie's, what, now 14 <laughs> years old? No, uh, so he's 2009. I was thinking yeah, 2007. So like 2000, 12. <laughs> yes, 12 years old. So that means that between 2009 and 2021... Matthew Perry aged, like, 50 years. <laughs> like, he, yeah. I like, mean, when we saw him on the Friends reunion, he looks yeah. he looks w- way older than, than 12 years older. Right. But, like, I take, I, I don't know. I, well, everything I was about to say doesn't have any scientific fact. I was like, I take that as, like, he stopped the hard drugs. But don't hard drugs make you probably look older faster? Yeah, definitely. So maybe he's still on the hard drugs. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure. Well, I know he had other health conditions, too. I think he had some sort of health issue after the whole drug thing. I I am not going to act like I know anything about Matthew Perry's life. No, but... The one thing I did know, which I called out when Matthew Perry was playing Matthew Perry, who was playing the dad in this movie, Mm -hmm. I was like, there's no way that Matthew Perry has children, right? Because he does not seem to know how to act like a dad. Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. so we looked it up, and we think we've confirmed he does not have children. Yeah, I couldn't see where he had children. He, He... I don't think has been married. Maybe he was married. He got engaged um, more recently, but then they called it off before they got married. So I'm not exactly sure, but he doesn't look like he had any like serious relationships. So unless he had like an accidental baby, uh, which it didn't look like he did, then it it seems that he's a... um, He didn't have a bastard? No. Which Which is a joke in the movie. Yeah, it comes up (laughs) multiple times. 
No, yeah. So I don't think he has any children, but I couldn't necessarily confirm it. It seems like he does not have children. But a lot of what came up when I was looking if he did have children, have children, uh, it was kind of like Charlie Sheen. Like yeah. a lot of the stories seemed similar to Charlie Sheen. Like mm-hmm. was involved with like porn stars and was doing like yeah. a I lot just of think different the types thing that of drugs. Tom is that like when he was in the height of that was before social media. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, Whereas, like, Charlie Sheen was too. No, he wasn't. He w- he brought the attention on himself by like writing Tiger Blood on Twitter. Oh, you mean that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, Charlie Sheen was. <laughs> I mean, I guess he was also on Two and a Half Men and stuff. But like, it was during that time that yeah. he, that he went his craziest. That it came out though because he had been doing it for decades. Or yeah, whatever. for sure. I yeah. mean, our our Lord and Savior Denise Richards. She put up with what she could. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, in terms of the drinking rules for this movie, what did you think? I thought they were pretty good. I want to say, like, this was a bad movie. Yeah. And this is necessarily answering your question about drinking rules, but the way I'm answering indicates that I'm a little drunk, so maybe that does indicate something. <laughs> um, this isn't a bad movie. Or no, wait, it is a bad movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the drinking rules worked. <laughs> we did get a shot in the dark. <laughs> yeah, we did. Wait, but let me finish what I'm saying. This is a bad movie. I also enjoyed watching it. Yeah, it was, it was but an it, enjoyable bad movie. But it also wasn't like one of those bad movies that's so bad it's great, you know? Like, yeah. Like, I enjoy this more than like something like John Tucker. Yeah, I thought this was better than John Tucker. Like, I really enjoyed watching it. I think it's really bad, but like, it's not like in one of those like laugh out loud, like, uh, like Color Out of Space last week was for us. Right, yeah. Um, anyways, we did a shot in the dark. Which I think is what's um, changing my speech pattern right now. <laughs> yeah, so the shot in the dark did hit. We thought we got almost through the whole movie without hitting one. And uh, right there at the end, I'm not going to... Sh- we always give it away. Oh. So if people want to play along, we should not give it away anymore. You know what? I agree with that. Yeah. One of the one of the rules hit. Yeah, it did. Not both, but one. Right. I just want to reiterate, which I, re- which I said, I think, during our Greatest Showman show, is that... Zach Efron continues to be everything I've ever wanted at every stage of my life. <laughs> well, in this, he looks exactly like he did in High School Musical. Uh, he looks a little bit older, so it doesn't feel weird to be like, hmm. But, like, I don't know. He just, uh, I don't know. I think he looks exactly the same. He looks less tan in this than he did in High School Musical. There were times when he had really fake tans in High School yeah. Musical. It kind of makes me question, especially, like, when they're saying, like, him and Matthew Perry are the same person. Mm-hmm. I've always wondered, like, what... Zac Efron's heritage was. I'm not sure. I'm going to see if the, find They out. did show a picture. So at the end in the credits, they showed high school pictures of all the cast members. And Matthew Perry in high school looked exactly like Matthew Perry. He just looked like mm-hmm. a younger version of Matthew Perry. Oh, yeah. So he looked kind of like the first season of Friends, that Matthew Perry. Mm-hmm. He kind of looked like that. Like yeah. that's that's what he looked like, not like Zac Zac Efron. <laughs> okay, I can't find any, I can't find anything except that Zac Efron's family was just and are Americans, like you know, yeah, Americans be, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's give it a drinkability rating. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it was drinkable. It was. I so this is like a like we said a a good drinking movie so it's a it's a bad movie in certain aspects it will make you laugh i mean it was pretty funny um it, it was there was moments that were like so bad that they were hilarious yeah well and 
the jokes some of them hit too so like because it had mm-hmm. it's a comedy right? right so it's like it had jokes that were were made to make make you laugh and and they did uh at least a lot of the time it does feel a little dated it, it feels like one of those like mm-hmm. late you know one of those 2000s comedies like an odd seemed comedy yeah like yeah. one of those like john tucker and mm-hmm. all those other types this looked feel felt like a, a little newer it felt like the turn of that period the john tucker period into the newer period of movies because the comedy was right there on the cusp it wasn't straight up john tucker ish and like estrogen makes you cry and want chocolate but it did have other things like always being like come on ladies like when they're talking when you're belittling the man yeah there 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 was a really uncomfortable mansplaining moment and i was like okay uh that aside i think that it, it stayed away from a lot of the things that these movies hit on that we always criticize you know like Mm -hmm. didn't have a lot of slurs and things that Mm -hmm. other comedies of this time period have there was one slur yeah but uh not as bad as a lot of the things that we watch absolutely for sure but in general i thought it's pretty good um i mean i'd I'd watch again in the future maybe yeah i think i think that these two are a really great pairing yeah for sure i feel like you got like the really great quality movie with eighth grade that is like it's both a comedy but also heavy in places yeah and then this like matches it and like being set in like a school almost entirely but like completely takes you out of that like a little bit heavier mood yeah and it's the great way to contrast a movie that's really nuanced Mm -hmm. with a movie that's pure like stereotypes like formulaic yeah. yeah it's it's pure high school like every every movie Right. Every movie about high school that's just a John Tucker or even kind of Easy A right, or yeah. this. Like any movie where it's not trying to be very nuanced. Right. right. Where it's just, this is high school, so here's all the tropes and like right. here are all the crowds that exist in high schools and like we're going to talk about that. You know, it's that type right. of movie. Right. Now, do you believe that Matthew Perry could win back Lesson Man? God, no. <laughs> that was the most unbelievable plot point of the whole thing. Exactly. Because he runs out uh, when he transforms back into his himself. Oof. He's then Matthew Perry in his like tight uh, basketball jersey because <laughs> he's yeah. back playing basketball. Yeah, it's not good. No. What are you rating this? I'm going to say I'm going to give it a 62. Okay. I think it's an enjoyable comedy. It's there's nothing about it that was boring. The jokes landed, but it's not a good movie. Yeah. Right. So I think it's like a 62. Yeah. I was going to give it a 59 and that like, it's not a good movie, but it was a really fun movie for the purpose of what we do movie nights for. Yeah, for sure. So I think that like that elevates it in my, in my head. Yeah. I will say compared to last week, it was better than underwater as a movie to drink. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I'll probably try to steer away from serious movies like that in the future. We shouldn't talk about my picks. Like. Say what? It's like we shouldn't talk about my picks for next week. Oh. Well, no, I was going to say that in terms of the bad movie, I think yeah. it, it hits better when yeah. it's not that serious of a bad movie. Yeah, but I think that we hadn't seen Underwater before, and I think that we thought that it could hit more comedic bad horror tropes than it did. Right, yeah. So, so in I terms don't of, you. In terms of your picks... What are you choosing for next week? Yeah, so next week is my pick. So I swear every episode where we've talked about my pick, it's always started with the bad movie. Yeah. Which I swear in the history of us starting this tradition has not always been the case, but I guess it is now. So the movie that I'm choosing as the bad movie is actually 
in my head not a bad movie, but I haven't seen it in like 20 years. So I don't know if it's good enough to call it the good movie. Okay. But it's a movie that we've talked about and like I've really wanted to watch for a while. Okay. And that is Heavyweights. Oh, wow. Yeah. Heavyweights. Yeah. There so we go. that was, uh, if, if you're a millennial, you'll probably remember this movie about a fat camp where all these kids are sent off to summer camp, but like it's supposed to be about like losing weight and whatnot. And Ben Stiller is in it, right? Exactly. Ben Stiller is, has become the new. And so all these kids have like this, like, this is going pure off memory. So I could be telling the entirely wrong plot point, but you know, historically like these kids, they go to the summer or the summer camp every summer. And it's supposed to be focused on like healthy living, but that's not what it is because it's run by this older couple who just love the kids and blah, 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 blah. And then I think this one summer, like they sell the camp and they sell it to Ben Stiller, who was like a health nut, crazy person. And you're considering the bad movie. Yeah. It's just because like, I think that's a good movie. I think I I think it's a good movie. I think that would be like calling Dodgeball a bad movie. I think Dodgeball is a bad movie. No, Dodgeball is a good movie. Oh, see, I almost made Dodgeball my bad movie pairing to make this a good movie. I'd be down for that. Well, that's a perfect pairing. But okay, what was what what are you going with though right now? We'll okay. see if we need to revise it. Okay. <laughs> so the only reason I'm making it my bad pick is because I haven't seen it in so long that I don't know if it's going to hold up mm-hmm. to like how I loved it as a kid. And I do think that it's going to have probably some like those bad, like cheesy tropes yeah. that make it a perfect bad movie. Right. So Ben Stiller being one of the main characters in that, mm-hmm. it jogged my memory a few weeks ago when we were watching The Big Sick. Uh-huh. And remember when we were talking about The Big Sick and we said how it reminded us of that movie very similar to it about comedians trying to get it basically on SNL. This, the movie is called Don't Think Twice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Ben Stiller plays Ben Stiller in that movie. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. So I thought maybe we could connect it with Ben Stiller there and see that movie because I've been wanting to watch it ever since we brought it up then. So you're going to pair Ben Stiller to Ben Stiller? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that works. You like that? Equally or more than dodgeball and heavyweights. No, that's a hard one because they go together so well. <laughs> I know. But, uh, Again, uh, both are Ben Stiller pairings. Right. Uh, I don't know. You could go either way with that. I mean, so the movie you're talking about with King and Michael Key, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Julian and Flynn. Yeah. Or not Julian Flynn. <laughs> yeah, not Julian Flynn. Oh, my goodness. Julian Jacobs. <laughs> yeah. It's so serious. Right. <laughs> uh, no, it is not by the person who wrote Gone Girl. Julian Jacobs, right? Yeah. Okay. So that movie was really good. Uh, I don't remember. I know. I know there were parts that were really serious and sad. I think it was funny too. Should I just do dodgeball? No, I'm fine with whichever. How you made me feel like I should dodgeball? Well, you you named like a perfect pairing, and then you and then you revise it. But the the thing is though that I didn't even know Ben Stiller. I didn't remember he was in that movie. He has a very short scene in it, but he plays himself. I think that's a perfect. I think that's a fine pairing. Like the only thing I'm worried about is if Heavyweights is too good of a movie to be a bad movie. But what if Heavyweights is not good enough of a good movie to be a good movie? Well, then you have Colorado Space. <laughs> well, it'll be a surprise next time we come back. You'll yeah. <laughs> you'll figure out which is one we chose. Gonna happen. You'll see what the other movie's gonna be when we come back. Yeah. All right. You ready? Yeah. This All has right, been we'll, fun. Talk yeah. to you later.